0: Hey, Joe, Sergio! Okay. We got a game ball! Serio's good though! His first NBA win! Hey! Thank you. Hey, sir, Thank you. hey great professional win, fellas. Thank you for your effort. Yeah, Rap on three. One, two, three. Wraps! As you have just heard, things are not all normal in the Raptors camp right now. First, they lost Nick Nurse, then Pascal Siakam, and then they were unable to find eight players to suit up against the Chicago Bulls yesterday, leading to the postponement of the game and potentially throwing the next couple of weeks into turmoil. I'm KJ, your host, and we're going to discuss the implications of a potentially Covid-hit franchise, and, of course, look at the improving fortunes on the court itself when the virus doesn't come into play. Let's start with the positives, whether you look at it from the box score point of view or just give it the old eye test. The Raptors' fortunes are improving when they do manage to make the court. This may not be completely obvious this week. When we last picked up, the Raptors had just got possibly a season-defining win against the 76ers, where it seemed everything went right. However, what Nick Nurse did not factor in in the second game last Tuesday was that a young Corkmaz would seemingly go off for 19 points, including five from beyond the arc. That Danny Green would for once perform in a big game, and that Tobias Harris would carry on his blistering form this season. Even Sheik Milton got in on the act with three threes. The Philly 76ers reigned victorious 109-102, but you can't really blame anyone on this Raptors team. Aaron Baines did the same job he did a couple of days earlier on Joel Embiid, limiting him to just 3 of 13 from the field. He had a better record himself, 5 of 10. And the starters performed, with the exception of Bembry, of course, who, even though he only scored four points, still got four rebounds, four assists, a couple of steals and a block. The likes of Siakam with 22, Powell with 24, and Van Vliet, who only scored 12 but got eight assists. You can't complain about that. Off the bench, you had double digits from Boucher, from Baines, as we mentioned, and you had nine from Terence Davis. Usually that would be enough to just push you over the line, especially with solid defense. But as we said, the Philly 76ers just had a brilliant night from beyond the arc, shooting 17 from 38 with a lot of unusual suspects succeeding on that front. But then again, this was a game of very, very small margins, right? Raptors only themselves shot 11 from 37, 29%. They did take 13 more field goal attempts overall. They succeeded in terms of their defense. They got 12 steals and 11 blocks overall compared to Philly, known as a very lengthy defensive side, only got five steals and eight blocks. They were good in the transition. And of course, this is a team without Kyle Lowry at this point. And obviously, there's strong rumours that he will be traded to the 76ers, which we will address a bit later in the episode. But overall, it's not a game to get concerned about. It's a game which shows why these sort of double header type fixtures should be kept, even when the pandemic has passed, because it gives teams who engage in tight games a chance to go again at one another just a couple of days later, gives a real playoff feel to it because coaches can make adjustments, because they've just faced that team. If I if, had my way, I'd, I'd make it triple headers, you know, baseball style. But the I would urge Adam Silver to keep these sort of double headers in the schedule list for next season because, as we saw in both games, it works. They were both tight. And to be honest, it was just Philly running away with it. In that first quarter, and the Raptors making an almost comeback, and it was the end of the game which we can focus on because Nick showed why the Raptors, however much talent they lose, they can lose Kawhi, they can lose Gusol, they can lose Ibaka, they can may even lose Lowry, but they will still make the game extremely hard for any team. The Raptors, by my knowledge, have not been blown out once this season. They've run every Game close, at least up to the last few minutes. And this game was no different. Even when Philly were up, the Raptors were consistently grinding, right? Look at the box score. Philly up by 37 to 18 in the first quarter. The Raptors then win the second quarter 24 to 18. They lose it by one point in the third. But then in the fourth, they score 37 points. They almost mirror what Philly have done in that first quarter. And it just makes it tough. It makes. The opposition forces them to be engaged throughout for 48 full minutes. It forces the starters to stay on the floor. You know, you had Embiid out there for 36, Tobias for 36, Simmons for 35. You know, you think about that in a playoff situation. If the Raptors play a good team, even if they lose, they are going to force it right to the very end. They ain't going to be a blowout. And as we saw in 2019, that grinding effect works. It wears down the opposition. And that's a facet of Nick Nurse's side. This was to some, and I saw some on the socials say, a, one of the greatest comebacks that just didn't lead to anything because it really showed the grit and determination of this franchise. And that is defined by Nick Nurse's philosophy. You may have thought then that they'd go on to smash a Miami Heat team who were 15 and 17 at the time. Of course, heavily improving. They had, they had been well over 500 since their injured players like Butler started coming back. But still, some would say they were there for the taking. However, uh, it was that man, Jimmy Butler, scoring 14 of his 27 points in the last quarter, also picking up 10 assists, 3 steals, 8 rebounds. And, you know, he loves to be a Raptor killer. He loves that rivalry with Kyle Lowry. And Lowry wasn't too bad himself. 24 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, and a couple of steals, 9 of 13 shooting. And once again, Raptors shooting 50% from the floor, 45% from three, and I think in any other game, that's going to get you the win because of the previous grit, determination, defense we've spoken about. However, there was two factors here. One, of course, we've mentioned is Mr. Butler. Two, of course, is Dragic, absolutely leading the bench unit, right? And again, it's one of those performances which is purely by the eye test because 4 of 13 shooting off the bench doesn't look that good. But 15 points, three assists, couple of rebounds, but he was excellent. He really, really held the likes of, well, the the Raptors' depth, really. You know, the Raptors use the most players they have in a long time uh, because of the back-to-back, of course, because they had just played their starters for 40-plus minutes against Philly. Um, but the the Miami bench held the likes of Terence Davis, Baines. McCall, even McCaw was back, by the way. That's a three-time champion, McCaw to you. He was back. They held him extremely well. Um, but second and thirdly, I should say, was the matchup of Siakam against Adebayo. This is a key reason why you do not want Toronto to go to go up against Miami, and there's a reason why I'm actually glad they're not in a higher seed in particular, because Anibayo is essentially the ultimate Siakam Kryptonite. He's quick, he's lengthy, he can match Siakam's spins, he can match his drives, he can block him easily, Um, and essentially he's just going to shut Siakam down every game. This game he limited him to just five points. Siakam only took six shots, but, you know, if I was coming, against, coming up against Adebayo, I probably would as well if I was Siakam. Because he's just that bogey player who you can't get past. And he was matched up every time. He only, Siakam only ended up playing 24 minutes in the end because he was pretty much deemed ineffective. Even Boucher, he played 18 minutes. He managed to score 11 points off his six shots with six rebounds and a couple of steals. Siakam just unable to do it and unable to do it then on the playmaking end because obviously Siakam's game we talked about his overall game before where maybe if his shooting isn't working he shouldn't jack up threes but instead he should look to drive and kick perhaps but if there's no scoring threat playmaking becomes a lot more difficult as we all know so in that sense it was probably right for Nick Nurse to just concede that yep Your star man, your franchise player, isn't going to perform this game. And unfortunately, despite, again, wonderful performances from Lowry, who we mentioned, 24, Van Vliet, 24 as well, Powell, 17, Ananobi, 14, just not enough to get over the line. But more encouragement. It was close till the very end. Miami did win it in the second quarter. And of course, Butler in the fourth with a phenomenal performance. And... Still one of my favorite players to watch. And Iggy, Andrea Godola coming in at the end. We all know what he did to Game 2 and Game 5 of the 2019 NBA Finals. He kept the Warriors in it in those games. And, of course, once again with a plus 7 on the court in his 24 minutes, 4 from 5 from behind the arc. Uh, Iguodola, of course, is a mid-30s shooter from 3 usually, but he chooses the games, doesn't he? He chooses the right games to go off in. And that was the Raptors against the Heat. So a couple of losses there, but a lot of encouragement to take from it. And then something interesting happened against Houston because a few hours before the game, it was reported that due to health and safety protocols, which, of course, by now we all know, refer to uh, COVID. So perhaps they um, it, it was Nick Nurse and every single one of the coaching staff except one, and then Pascal Siakam, They were all out through health and safety protocols. This would mean perhaps they might have come in contact with someone who were positive. They might have even got a positive test. They didn't reveal it at the time. And we're still unsure, actually, what it is, uh, even after. But it meant that uh, none other than than Sergio Scariollo, assistant coach who just joined in 2018, the 59-year-old Italian, taking on his first NBA game completely by himself, right? He was the only member of the coaching staff who was allowed on the floor that day. He took it and he grasped that opportunity with both hands. But should we be surprised a bit about Scariolo? He may be an assistant coach, but he is the head coach of the Spanish national men's basketball teams. He's won gold medals in Eurobasket. 20, 2009, 2011, 2015. He won the World Cup with Spain in China in 2019. For those, of course, British listeners among you, I hope there's a fair few according to our demographics. He won a silver in the 2012 London Olympics, a bronze in Rio. Uh, he's a great coach. He used to be the head coach of Real Madrid, the basketball team, of course. And uh, yeah, he joined the Raptors in 2018, still maintaining his national league commitments. But he's extremely experienced, and it it should be should be no surprise. Luckily, he did get quite a good game to start off with. Uh, The Houston Rockets, who are on an absolutely disastrous run of form. Um, I mean, at the moment they're eleven and twenty-one. They're creeping more and more towards the bottom of the West. They have lost their last. Eleven games. Their last win came against Memphis, 115-103, at the start of February. Yesterday, they lost to Memphis by 49 points. Oladipo has just refused to sign, refused to extend his contract. He'll be off soon. The Rockets, we may have looked at as a potential success in terms of a rebuild after the Harden trade it doesn't look so good now with that Oladipo decision, of course, with Christian Wood out for a while and them just getting absolutely hammered. There's no real encouragement here. I mean, John Wall is performing. He's pretty much being their top scorer. You've got David Nwaba. But overall, it's a pretty terrible team. And of course, that makes it a pretty nice matchup for uh, the Toronto Raptors. Um, so even without Siakam, they started to start Boucher because I guess on both sides of the floor, he's the most he's the most lengthy player. With Of course, with Christian Wood out. um, And overall, it allowed Powell and Lowry and Van Vliet to become that three-headed dragon and to absolutely go off once again. Lowry and Powell, 30 and 20 each. Van Vliet chipped in with 25. The Raptors didn't shoot so well this time, didn't shoot as well as they did against Miami. 45% from the field, 39% from three, but it was still serviceable enough Because the Rockets are just that bad. Even Bembry, I think it might be his season record in points with 13 off the bench. He played. He was serviceable. Baines, again, you don't need a traditional big like Baines. But I think when uh, Patton came on for the Rockets, Baines was put in just to match his minutes. And he did pretty well. Nine points off the bench. You saw again an example of the Raptors' depth. They brought Davis, Thomas, Baines, McCaw, Johnson, Watanabe and Bembry all off the bench. Uh, Most teams, of course, just running a nine-man rotation. The Raptors tend to extend this to 12 or 13 very, very regularly. Of course, very encouraging. But if I'm honest, there's not too much to say about this game. As you heard at the the start, uh, it was very deserving for Scariolo. He got the game ball from Lowry after the game, who, interestingly enough, uh, managed to swear twice in his post-game interview. And because we're a Strictly PG podcast, we will not be playing you that segment. But of course, feel free to do what you want in your own time. But overall, it's a dub. It got the Raptors back to 17-17 and and to the situation where we look ourselves in today. So the most simple way to describe Toronto's problems with these health and safety protocols is as such so as said before they're already without Nick Nurse several other coaching assistants and Siakam on the Friday then on the Sunday Scariolo was ready to go again with the same players it was then revealed that the Raptors would not have enough to suit up eight players what does this mean well We know that all NBA players and coaches are tested daily. They had 14 players available, plus Gary Olu, of course, on Friday night. For Sunday's game, and we have to look at Saturday's injury report, Siakam was the only player who was listed out. What does that mean? It means the results, perhaps coming back on Saturday night, either showed more problems or... On the other side, could the contact tracing investigations which supplement the tests show that certain players, a number of players, maybe all the squad, had been exposed to someone who tested positive and therefore made to quarantine? So we know the impact this has had on other teams, of course. I believe the Spurs are the most recent example. They missed a number of games. They will now have to catch up. They will now be bunched in. And remember that this isn't necessarily a rest, right? If players are testing positive for COVID, you've got the impacts of long COVID. You've got maybe a couple of weeks if they have symptoms of of illness and then a need to get back to full fitness, uh, potentially hampering, uh, you know, regular season games, potentially hampering the regular season record. And then, of course, you have long COVID, you know, like um, Nasir Little of the Portland Trailblazers, who really struggled to get back to form, lost a lot of weight. He's a young, healthy guy, but he lost a lot of weight during his time dealing with the virus. And, you know, he's back now, he's scoring now, but it took him a fair few weeks. Carl anthony Towns, again, he was out for a long time in January, right? So it's a difficult one. And um, as I said in the intro, this could be the beginnings of a bit of, disaster, of a disaster. And I think generally it's one that the majority of the teams in the NBA will have to go through, just unfortunately. Um, obviously, the vaccine rollout is coming, but it won't be given to NBA players for a fair while yet due to their age and usually healthy conditions. So it's an extremely difficult one, but not one to be... Totally worried about just yet, but the headlines are all there. The Raptors virus issues have worsened. There is potential positive tests within the group. On the other side, it could just be they're taking a lot of precautions. And that's something that should be fully commended. Um, They've done a pretty good job so far, uh, especially with all the travel involved. And obviously, the players' union refused to play in a bubble. Uh, for obviously family reasons, and you can imagine spending a whole season in in Disneyland. Dream for some, but of course, after a couple of weeks, I'm sure it would get pretty tired. So, with all the traveling involved in them, pretty good job. Uh, testing, they've done a good job. Con- it's confusing why more precaution wasn't taken for Friday's game. Surely, if your head coach and your star forward who will be practicing will be interacting with all your other players has to quarantine, surely they should have just cancelled it before this, because there was always a possibility that tests in the coming days would reveal multiple positive results. And now what you've got is the likelihood of Houston having to quarantine goes up, right? And now Houston obviously played Memphis, so it's almost a bit of a chain reaction there. So more care needs to be taken. I know the league wants to keep going, and they've done an admirably good good job so far. There, of course, I've mentioned cancellations. This is the Raptors' first game cancellation, um, but it's only the thirtieth game out of many hundreds to be postponed so far this season. Maybe just a little bit more care, Mister Silver. That's all I have to say on the matter. But. It's indefinite. You know, it's unknown when the Raptors will see the court again. It could be in the next couple of days, right? Could be they've got a game against Dwayne Casey and the Detroit Pistons tomorrow. However, it could also be in a couple of weeks. Players could have to quarantine. We could see many out for a while, for a a few weeks. Luckily, there is the All-Star break. And of course, the Raptors angrily have no All-Stars. Not that it matters now. And uh, if, even if someone was nominated, they wouldn't have actually been able to go. Um, that that kind of gives a bit of time anyway to to work out the situation. Luckily, there's not too much too much travel involved between now and the end of the All Star break. But it's an interesting situation and one that will have to be monitored. That's all the information we got, and that's my uh, you know bit part analysis. From that, we haven't got our medic resident medic here today, unfortunately, to give his take on things. But in any sense, we'll see you next time. I don't know when that would be. The Raptors will have to play a game by the time we come back because otherwise, I don't know what the hell I'm going to talk about, man. I just rely on those box scores. In any sense, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Share this around. Uh, check out our new website, ballinginthe6.wordpress.com. Follow us on Twitter. At balling in the six and keep safe, it's not over yet.